Welcome to ReachMD. You are listening to Lipid Luminations, produced in partnership with the National Lipid Association and supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. Your host is Dr. Alan Brown, Director of the Division of Cardiology at Advocate Lutheran General Hospital and Director of Midwest Heart Disease Prevention Center at Midwest Heart Specialists at Advocate Healthcare. You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and with me today is my good friend, Dr. Harold Bays, President of the Southeast Lipid Association and President of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerotic Research Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Today our discussion is going to focus on uh, an idea that Harold had several years ago and he finally brought to fruition, which I think is fantastic, which is an annual summary of clinical lipidology that is being published in the Journal of Clinical Lipidology. So, Harold, thanks for being here, first of all. And second of all, thank you for this amazing endeavor. Well, thank you, Alan. I think for our listeners, some of which who are not lipidologists, they might really find this very valuable to have one place to look at what's the critical information that we need to know this year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you had the idea for this, and then if you were going to give a couple of sentences to describe what is the annual summary to our listeners, we'd like to hear it. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here today, Alan. Uh, I think most clinicians often look for a resource of some kind that uh, summarizes much of a uh, particular discipline or topic or, or whatever. And and you might think, uh, lipidology, well, you know, how complicated can that be? Well, the fact is, it's like any other discipline, it is very complicated. And there's just so much that's going on and so much that needs to be updated. So several years ago, and this is long before we had the recent guidelines and recommendations and things that subsequently came out, we had an idea, you know, what if we were to summarize the essential topics of lipidology? And so that, uh, as you know, was the genesis behind the National Lipid Association Annual Summary. So I think even when you first proposed this, a lot of people didn't quite get the breath. Yeah, that was you. (laughs) No, it actually wasn't. That was you. You Uh, said I didn't think you could do it. Uh, Well, in retrospect, I didn't think you could do it with the completeness that you've done. But I I think a lot of people were trying to get their arms around how could you summarize lipidology and what should be in an annual summary. That's right. So maybe you can give us a little of your background thinking of your vision for this and doing it on an annual basis, what kind of things you would want to update and include. And and then who's the audience for the, for the piece? Well, I can start off with the last thing first, and that is the audience is everybody. The beauty of it is, is that it is indeed a summary. So what you'll see is you'll see a topic listed, and then you'll see bullet points. So every topic is just, I mean, it's a very short. So that's, you know, that's, that, I think that's a very good for the busy clinician who just wants, just, just give me the facts. Give me what I need to know in order to appropriately uh, treat my patients. As far as the genesis... I would like to say that I had this vision of about exactly how it was going to be, but that's just not truthful. I mean, what ended up happening was I wrote an initial draft of what I thought, you know, just like every other kind of summary or every other kind of document. And then our good friend, Virgil Brown, the editor of Journal of Lipidology, looked at it, and I think it was, I don't know, seven, 800 pages or something. I forgot what it was. And it had tables and figures and charts and all these types of things. He goes, I can't. I can't print this. This is just way too much. And so what we said is, okay, fine. Instead of putting tables and charts and figures and images and those types of things, we're going to revolutionize the way that we provide information to clinicians, and we're going to make the liberal use of hyperlinks. And instead of putting it actually in the document, 
we're just going to put a link to it. And so essentially that's what, uh, that's what ended up happening. So I think that's something I want to delve into a little more because uh, our listeners probably are thinking the annual summary of lipidology, that would take 800 pages, mm-hmm. even if we're only updating what's new in the last year. And what you've done with the very quick and dirty summary is give people a teaser, give them the basic information they need right. to know. And then you've used this sort of new technique of being able to click on a link that's in the document that takes you to further information. And something that a lot of organizations have dreamt about but never really accomplished. And frankly, I I think nobody has done it as well as you've done it. So maybe explain to our listeners a little bit more about how that exactly works and what you mean by being able to click on a hyperlink. Maybe give us an example of a topic. So uh, there is value to having the printed document. And then we heard from many of our uh, members that they wanted something that they could have in their hand. And so for those folks, yes, there is a printed, but its, it's real utility is when you pull up the, what's called a PDF file. Okay, so you pull up this PDF document, and within the PDF document, there are these areas, what we call hyperlinks. And those are those, you often see the blue text within uh, something that you read online. And when you click on that blue text, it takes you to some other place in the internet. And where it takes you here, for example, we have uh, various tables and we have various sections uh, specifically dedicated to these these hyperlink sections, and you click on them. So there might be something that says, here's what a picture of, you know, eruptive xanthomas might look like, all right? So you're on the table and you say, oh, yeah, I'd like to see what that looks like. So rather than having a figure within the document, you just click on it, and it takes you preferably to a free online access to an article where it, it takes you directly to where that figure is, and then you could pull up the actual picture of the eruptive xanthomas. And we do that for, you know, referencing guidelines. We do that for referencing tables and charts and, and, and all of those things. But it's mainly within the context of hyperlinks to information that you can find elsewhere. The document itself is indeed a summary with essential bullet points. Yeah, I think that's so important. When we get guideline documents that are 300 pages long, we all know that only the people who write them actually read the whole document, unfortunately. Uh, maybe. Maybe the people who wrote them write them. Yes, and, that's and in fact, if you're trying to get specific detailed information on one topic in the guideline, that requires a lot of searching. Searching. So what you've done is fantastic in that uh, if you have a particular area of interest, you can see the, the statement regarding it and then click to more in-depth information. And basically, you've already done the work for the reader by... Uh, tagging that piece of information to the most appropriate reference material, correct? And, and, and look, I'm not, uh, I want to make sure people understand, you know, we're not devaluing content because originally when we did, we first did this in 2015, you know, we had a number of uh, people that were served as reviewers and, and we have a core group of authors and that's true, but we also had a group of reviewers and they went through it and we had them assigned to different sections and whatever. But then when it came to two th- 2016 and people got to see what this was really about, you know, many people, uh, you know, participate as a reviewer reviewer. Uh, you helped uh, uh, help with review of, I think it was the genetic section. Right. And so now we have this last version, close to 40 reviewers, core authors, 40 reviewers. So what we're trying to do is to have the latest and greatest, and, you know, the best charts and the best figures and the, and the best tables that are available and I don't have to ask permissions for reprinting them because I'm not reprinting them. Instead, I'm just hyperlinked to where you can find these things. 
and that gets updated every year so we can stay current. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about the authors and how this came about. It seems like an amazing endeavor. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about what topics are actually covered in this document. So if our listeners are interested mm-hmm. in looking at it. And then uh, the last thing that I want to cover with you is since we all would like evergreen documents in terms of giving us up-to-date information, mm-hmm. does the fact that you're linking through hyperlinks to other materials give you a better opportunity to keep up to date because you don't have to rewrite the whole document exactly. every time you want to add some new information. So maybe you could talk to us first about who the authors are and how you made those decisions in order to put a, a summary article together. I'd like you to give us a few statements on the topics covered and then we'll address how it's an evergreen document. Okay, well, the core authors were, I think, for the, you know, for the first efforts and such, it would be who you might expect. Uh, Terry Jacobson, who at the time was president of the National Liberty Association, Dr. Carl Oranger, who is current president of the National Liberty Association, as we're speaking here today. Then you had Peter Jones, who's the scientific officer of the National Liberty Association, and you have Dr. Virgil Brown, who is the editor of the Journal of Clinical Lipidology. So that just seems like a pretty logical group of individuals to have as your as your core authors. Yeah, and especially since they all reviewed virtually every piece of material in lipidology, as did you, as you guys published part one and part two of the recommendation. Well, let's let's be clear about that. So, so as we were waiting to, you know, these things, uh, you propose these things, and sometimes it takes a year or two, or sometimes three, to get them through board of directors and these things. And as we were waiting, it's so very interesting that we already had plans long before there was the 2013 ACCAHA guidelines. We had this in the works. But once that came out and once there was a priority of coming out with the National Lipid Association, 2014, 2015, part one recommendations, part two recommendations, we were then just right in the midst of putting this thing together. So the 2015 annual summary had part one, and then 2016 had incorporation of the part two. So you're exactly right on that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and I'm here with Dr. Harold Bays. Dr. Harold Bays is president of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerotic Research Center in Louisville, Kentucky. So let's talk a little bit then about, uh, since you alluded to part one was sort of being completed, and part two was uh, in the midst at the time that the annual summary was being developed. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the topics that are covered in the annual summary, and why should somebody go look at this document? Again, I think the main reason a person would want to look at this document is if you want to go to a one-stop shopping and find a, a reasonably brief summary of all things lipidology, I think it's a good place to start, right? Now, I'm going to, as you correctly stated, you can't get everything out of a short summary. You just can't, okay? But, but I think there's a real need amongst the clinicians to say, well, give me a starting point. You know, give me some place I can go to. But if you want to get into it further, there are hyperlinks that can take you to multiple different directions where you can get that additional information. As far as content, in part one was just, bit, I, I think I would characterize that as a general overview of some of the basic principles of lipidology. You would agree with that, right, with yes, part one? Absolutely. Yeah. Then part two mainly dealt with special patient populations. Uh, that's the way I would characterize it. And also things like, uh, you know, nutrition, physical activity, but also, as I mentioned, things like racial aspects of dyslipidemia or 
gender aspects of dyslipidemia or you know, older folks versus younger folks, you know, all of these things. So there were a number of things that were addressed in part two that went above and beyond just the general aspects of a dyslipidemia. And we were able to summarize part one and summarize part two with links to all of those things that were in part one and part two, including the charts and the tables and, and the text and all of those things. Yeah, so I was struck when I looked at the final publication, the supplement of the annual summary, it's only about 37 pages. Yes. It's not 800 pages. And yet part one and part two were massive huge documents. documents. Massive documents. So huge that I think some people would pick them up and say, this is too heavy for me to go through. A little daunting. Yeah. So I was really thrilled as I looked through some of the subtopics because one of the things that was so great about part two was the the different racial and ethnic groups, the issues with pregnancy, things that are often what we get called a consult on that are not in the typical general information about lipidology, but yet you've summarized them in the supplement and you can get into the data from part two, which was one of the major contributions of part two through the hyperlinks. Yeah, and I want to add something to what you said earlier. You said, well, okay, so what's the advantage of having it on a yearly basis? Well, if you look at the 2016... NLA annual summary, you will find throughout the document uh, extensive discussion of not just PCSK9, but PCSK9 inhibitors. Well, I mean, those just got approved just several months ago. I mean, people already think that they're mainstream lipidology, but they're not. They just got approved, so, you know, just several months ago. And the fact that all of that now is incorporated within this document, I think, just shows you the potential that you have when you're having an annually updated project like this. And I might add, there is only one table. Now, there are, all, there are all sorts of appendices and such that are in there. Maybe we can talk about that. But the main thing is there's just one table, and the only table in there that's novel is lipid-altering drugs in development. So if a person wants to give a talk on lipid-altering drugs that are in development, it, it, it very briefly describes each one, but also has hyperlinks to either the clinicaltrials.gov or an abstract or an actual publication for each of those lipid-altering drugs in development. Yeah, I think it's terrific. And I remember many years ago, maybe nine years ago, discussing this kind of thing at the ACC about the time from when new information arrives and a new set of guidelines is actually published and incorporates that. And by the time that process could be five years at or best. More. Yes. And by the time that document is out, it's already obsolete. So I want to spend the last few minutes asking you what, uh, about, and we dreamt at the time of an electronic format mm -hmm. where we could update the document without having to rewrite it. So when new material came out, you could sort of have the document current almost immediately. I just want to get your thoughts about this because I think you've done it better than anybody else in terms of the hyperlinks. How are you going to deal with updates mm -hmm. without rewriting the whole document? And uh, does the hyperlink option give you a chance to do updates mid-year, for example? Uh, well, not, not necessarily mid-year, but here, here's what I would say. Uh, so there's two aspects of that. One, people think updates uh, mainly have to do with brand new science that's introduced. I will tell you what we've already found is that many times some of the biggest updates are just different nuanced ways of saying the same thing. So I think now if you were to look at the part one and you were to look at the annual summary, people that probably wrote part one would look at the summary and go, wait a minute, this part one you've given me, there must have been some typos. And it's just an, it's an intrinsic 
evolution of the way that you describe things. You've been influenced by new science, new ways of thinking or whatever. And even though it's reflective of part one and part two, whenever you look at a document repeatedly and over a passage of time, you're going to word it in a different way. So even though it, it may not seem like it's a, you know, a breakthrough clinical trial, the update in thinking is reflected in the nuance and the way that the text is constructed. Okay. But, it, but you're also right that uh, you know, new data comes out and, and new concepts comes out, and the, the really big things also are able to easily be incorporated within an update of the annual summary. And finally, I would add that when you look at the appendices, in addition to just data, it also has hyperlinks to things like podcasts, like this. Okay, there's hyperlinks course, like to ReachMD. So you'll be able to see. Yeah, and you, you click on it, and you're going to see a listing of ReachMD programs. It's got a, a link to CME programs. It's got a link to applications. It's got a link to all sorts of tear sheets, practical patient information. You know, all these kind of practical things that lipidologists can use in their clinical practice. It's one link away and it's organized and it's even got things like if you want to click on a specific risk calculator the ACC calculator the Reynolds risk or whatever you just click on it it takes you to the website or you want to know what the not just what the ACC guidelines are or the National Limit Association recommendations are wonder if you know what the Japanese think about it or the Europeans think about it it's there in the summary you just click on it and it takes you there so that just it's a, it's a worldwide document. It's a summary document. It's one-stop uh, one shopping for all things lipidology. Yeah, well, I think our audience will note your enthusiasm, and I think every one of us who's looked at the final product shares that tremendous enthusiasm. So in the last few seconds that we have, I guess the obvious question that will be in our listeners' mind is, yeah. how do I get to this document? Yeah. So how would they find it if they went online? Because obviously the most robust version would be the online version rather than the printed version. Uh, right. And so to get either one, to get to the printed version or to get to the online version, you can go to the National Lipid Association website, or you can just punch in my you know, last name and put NLA annual summary and you pull it up and it's free online and you just pull it up and it'll have all the operational hyperlinks and, uh, and you're ready to go. And for those of you who don't know, the National Lipid Association website is lipid.org. And there is a link to our documents on that website. Also, in February of 2016, the printed document was published as a supplement to the Journal of Clinical Lipidology, Volume 10, Number 15. So, Harold, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm disappointed that we've run out of time. Yeah. I'm Dr. Alan Brown. You've been listening to the Lipid Lumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association on ReachMD. Visit ReachMD.com slash lipids where you can listen to this podcast as well as others in this series. And please make sure to leave comments and share. We welcome your feedback, and I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Lipid Luminations, produced in partnership with the National Lipid Association and supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. To download this program and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com forward slash lipids. That's reachmd.com forward slash lipids.